Blog Talk Radio. Find on iTunes by searching Carrie Edelman. 
I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight as we have two amazingly talented comedians on the show. Before I bring them on, though, I'd like to tell everyone about the concept of my show. As a clinical psychologist and singer-songwriter, I've always wanted to combine my psychology background and my music background in entertainment. Supporting people in the entertainment industry, as well as others involved in various creative professions, made me want to interview, explore, and delve into the lives of these fascinating persons to assist them with promoting who they are and what they do. As we all know, getting, on, getting one's names out there and letting people know what we do is not always an easy task, which is why I want to support others and let the world know who they are. On my show tonight, the audience will get a real taste of what these people's lives are like, the experiences they've encountered, and learn what it's like to be in their profession. A few concepts I just want people to keep in mind is that although I'm a clinical psychologist, um, this show is not by any means meant to provide therapy or any other type of formal treatment. I may at times, because people often will ask about psychological terms, clinical concepts, um, discuss them, but it's going to be in a more of a general and broad sense so as to provide an educational information session. Second, since we're going to be talking about lots of exciting, intriguing, and at times controversial stories, I request that any specific persons or organizations that are being addressed do not have their identifying information revealed. And the, me the real reason I say that is because this show is not by any means meant to embarrass or humiliate people, but I do want people to feel real on the show, be able to talk about their real experiences, and discuss whatever they want without, again, revealing uh, identifying information. And finally, since I have a diverse audience, please keep profanity to a minimum. At the end of the show, I'm going to provide information about how you can become a guest on the show. If you are currently tuning in, please create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to www.blogtalkradio.com. And feel free to join us in the chat room. Unfortunately, since I'm going to be interviewing two comedians tonight, I might not be able to respond freely in the chat room, so I've posted some information about the event in the event that you would like to call in and ask questions. So I'm sure everyone is intrigued to get to the interview tonight and to hear from our first guest this evening. I've had the pleasure of meeting and seeing Joe Matteris perform on many occasions at venues such as the Starland Ballroom and the Count Basie Theater, where he opened for Artie Lang. Uh, Joe Matarese, to give us a background about who he is, he is a nationally touring, well-renowned A-list comedian who will explore and delve into his complicated life composed of neuroses and other intriguing topics as he relates to Fixing Joe, the current title of his podcast on Comical Radio, One Man Show, and Second CD. Fixing Joe, as he describes it, is a comedic cry for help where he asks guests and listeners for feedback to his problems. Joe Matarese is also known for his appearances on Chelsea Lately, The Late Night Show with David Letterman, Comedy Central Presents with its own half-hour show, and The Howard Stern Show. For more information on Joe Matarese, go to www.joematarese.com. Also, be sure to check out Joe Matarese featuring Tom Comer's upcoming comedy show on April 16th at Jimmy C's Comedy Club in Tom's River, New Jersey. And after we... Um, interview Joe Matarese. Tom Comer will be coming on a little bit later this evening, so definitely stay on board and uh, check out the whole interview. So let's introduce our first guest for the evening, Joe Matarese. And Joe Matarese, you are now on the air. Wow, Hello? that's how it works. Can you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing? I'm good. Was that all pre-recorded or was that just you live? Oh, that's me live. That was live. Wow. Oh, yeah. Nice. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> so how are you hey, doing? I'm doing okay. I'm actually at a 
standstill at the Lincoln Tunnel trying to get oh. into Manhattan, and I just saw cops walk by, and I thought I saw one have their gun out. So this is oh, like no. a perfect time for me to get interviewed. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a great time. It looks like you'll have some I've hopefully been, free time. Yeah, I do. I've been sitting here for 15 minutes not moving, and the good thing is, oh, is I'm God. a little early. I'm I'm early. I have a uh, a show I'm doing at 9:15 here in uh, on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Nice, nice. And, Why don't uh, you plug that real quick? Nah. Why would I do that? No. Yeah. <laughs> I want to plug. I don't the know. Tom Maybe Comer there's someone show. from That's New York a... listening in. <laughs> oh well, I will be at Stand Up New York in uh, in 45 minutes. If anybody wants to rush over <laughs> to 78th and Broadway in Manhattan, 45 minutes. You never I'll know. Be, uh, well. You never know if this traffic is going to just stay like this. Then I'm never getting there. Oh gosh. Oh, yeah. I had an unfortunate. I won't go into details, but I had an unfortunate experience when uh, I was doing an acoustic performance in New York, and unfortunately, the one R1 train was the only train that was down in a summer storm, and we never made it there. <laughs> so oh, I can uh, empathize with. Uh, I know. Uh, it was. I've awful. had that happen it a couple was... times in my career where I went to the airport. And they said um, the flight's canceled, and then I just couldn't get to the gig, and I, and I, and uh, I had to lose the money, which is the worst. But uh, it happens. I remember when I, I, you know, I used to open for Artie, Artie Lang a lot. And he right, used to right. Say, yeah, he never once had a gig that he couldn't get to. It used to amaze me. He would leave the Stern show, and he would right. do the whole, you know, the whole radio broadcast. Then he would um, go home, you know, and pack his stuff really fast and go to the airport. And he never missed a gig. He never had any wow. sort of weather thing, yeah. And he wasn't flying <laughs> privately. I mean, he was flying on commercial, you know, airplanes. Wow. That's crazy. That is so, crazy. Uh, that's some good luck. That's some good luck, yeah, right? And that, and it's kind of it's kind <laughs> so, of funny because um, I'm five min I'm five minutes away from his house right now. Oh wow! Wow, interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so let's yeah, get yeah. into the interview. Um, sure. Unless you want to continue Absolutely. to talk about Artie. <laughs> no, no, come on. Um, <laughs> okay. Interview me. So I will interview. So how long, Joe, have you been invo- involved in comedy, and when did you know that this would be your career choice, or was it just something that you naturally knew from a young age? Um, I started performing stand-up when I was 19 years old. I had okay. wanted to do stand-up from when I was about 13 or 14, until um, the first time I tried it, I, I you know I wanted to do it. I just never knew that there was a place that okay. I could go do stand up because I lived in the suburbs. And when you live in the suburbs, you don't realize when you're a young person that you know that all you have to do is really go and in, go into the city, and there will right. be places to perform. And when I a friend of mine came over my house one day and said he did this open mic night in Philadelphia, which was about 20 minutes from where I lived. Um, and he said, all you have to do is show up and put your name on the list, and they give you five minutes. Um, I immediately started going, and after one time, I was hooked. And I don't think awesome. I missed a week for for two, at least two years, I was going every week to this place. Wow. So um, you would say comedy came pretty naturally then, too. It was kind of just something that you knew it, it was kind of intrinsic. Yeah, but it definitely didn't come naturally. I mean, I was okay. horrific, as most comedians are horrific when they start. <laughs> but you don't. The good thing is, is you don't realize you suck. You think you're great, but right. man. But then you look back and go, 
I can't believe how bad I was. I mean, even my brother when I got even my brother when I got married addressed that and in his best man speech. He said, okay. you know, I got to give Joe credit. He's been doing it for 21 years, and I got to tell you, there was uh, many years where he should have quit because <laughs> I was there at the <laughs> beginning. You know. Right. So again, it shows that I guess persistence, hard work, and dedication to something, if you're willing to go the extra mile, can eventually pay off. I mean, you're you're doing wonderful now, and we'll get into your one-man show, and I'd like to talk a little bit um, towards the, the later part of the interview about the Stress Factory and the different types of, um, you know, educational programs that you host for people. Um, okay, so who would you say as a comedian, who are some of the comedians that influenced you and that you looked up to? Um, you mean guys that were at my level or guys like that that I any, was into oh, when I was young? you want. Well, when yeah, I was I when I was younger, or when I was a teenager, I used to listen to a lot of comedy alone in my basement. I was very um, antisocial. I was a little socially awkward. I guess that's what antisocial means. Um, and <laughs> I, what what I would do is I would I would argue with my parents a lot, and I remember vividly yelling at them and then going down in the basement and putting headphones on and listening to comedy albums. Okay. And those guys those guys were Steve Martin. I used to listen to I had all Steve Martin's albums. I would nice. I had a bunch of old Richard Pryor albums. I had I had Eddie Murphy's Delirious, which you okay. know, every, probably every, every comedian that's around my age would probably say uh was you know something that they listened to Eddie Eddie Murphy when he was young and just coming up was uh was a lot was a a guy that was you know really blowing up and inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, let me think who else. Cool. I, I Robin Williams was someone I listened to when I was young. I liked when I was young and as I got older I kind of stopped liking his stand up as much. Um, I, I listened to Billy Crystal a little bit when I was younger. Okay. Um. And then as I started doing stand-up, some of the guys that used to really be the guys that I liked when I first started, because I can, geez, not only did I listen to a lot of stand-up in my basement when I was a teenager, once I started doing stand-up, I used to videotape on VHS tapes, like any time a stand-up comedian was on television, on MTV's wow. half-hour half hour comedy and all these A&E, uh, Evening at the Improvs, I would just watch them all. And um, okay. Okay. guys I liked from the, the guys that were, you know, the young stand-ups that were making a living were uh, Dana Dana Gould was someone I, Dana Gould, is that how you Dana Gould, I always get his name mixed up. Dana Gould was okay. someone I listened to. Uh, Brian Regan, I really love Brian Regan. Um, let me even, let me think who else. I mean, uh, Gary Shandling, guys right, like that. Right, right. Very cool. Very cool. So and then, as I became a comedian, I think when I moved up to New York City, guys that I really liked were like um, David Tell and Bill Burr mm-hmm. and uh, Patrice O'Neill and Rich Voss, guys like that. Right. Right. Very cool. Very cool. Just gave you an eight-hour so, answer. <laughs> so as we all know, I mean, you're you're doing very well in your career right now. You're very established. Um, on a personal note, when you started out in this career and, and decided to choose it, did you find family and friends to be supportive of it? No. no. Not at all. Well, 
My right. friends were pretty. Su- my my friends were actually supportive. I would say okay. family. You know, I don't want to slam my parents, but definitely my grandmother right. was not very. Su- the Italian grandmother was not supportive. I remember doing. <laughs> I remember just doing Letterman, and my I went over to my grandma's house, and she said, "Are you still doing stand up? Why Why don't you just quit that and start learning a trade of some sort?" And oh, like, no. I had just done I had just done Letterman. That's crazy. Did so, she even under did she understand what Letterman was? I mean, getting to that caliber yeah. and that level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but she just always was like she had a, she remarried. My my grandfather died when I was pretty young, and my grandmother remarried. And okay. the guy she remarried was like a welder, and he definitely did not understand anyone pursuing a comedy thing. And right. uh, they used. They used to tell me I should be a welder. I mean, multiple times. <laughs> right. Uh, well, I think you're doing a great job, so I don't think you need to uh, go down that road to becoming a welder. <laughs> well, I understand now that I'm a father, and if my son told me he wanted to start doing stand-up, I mean, I wouldn't tell him not to do it, but it de- I definitely would like him to pursue something else, you know, because it's so right. hard. Right. No, I and, understand. And you... And you get your feelings hurt a lot. So maybe my parents were being overprotective. Yeah, that could be it, too. You can reframe it. And I know your wife's also a, a psychologist, so, you know, I'm yeah. sure you can relate to both of us. But, yeah, maybe you can look at it from a different angle, that they were just trying to look out for your best interest. And, yeah, I can understand that. Um, yeah. So, as I can imagine, well, we, because I know being... We might, we might be moving. We're actually... Oh, looks moving? Like, it looks like a car is oh. moving. It's all move. I see moving. Everyone... <laughs> Joe is moving, Joe everyone. Is moving. So, uh, <laughs> let's wish him luck that he gets into his show in time. Um, so, getting back to it, you know, I can imagine. I mean, I'm involved, as you know, in in the music industry, and there's a lot of drama, competition, etc. And I, I'm sure there's the same things that go on in the comedy circuit too. How do you cope with the pressure? That's the hardest part, and that's you know, where a lot of the uh, arguments come in my marriage because I'm feeling pressure. Even right mm-hmm. now, to be honest, I'm feeling a lot of pressure over something that just happened today in my career where it's like, and I'm, I am I always second guess. I never trust my decisions. I wish I was more confident as a person because right. if I was, I would trust my decisions. But I think because I second guess everything and I have that personality, it's probably why I wanted to be a comedian. So it, it okay. kind of fights itself. Right, I don't know if that right. The question. How? Um. Yeah, I guess it does. I mean, I can understand what you're saying. Though. I mean, I'm sure you're always getting pressure from all different angles, but you don't feel. I mean, and this is more personal stuff. I mean, you don't feel confident at this stage in the game where you're at in your career. I mean, you're doing amazing. No. I don't think comedians ever do. I know I don't. I feel like I right. feel like a failure, to be honest. Wow. I just did my taxes, and my wife made a lot more money than me. And, uh, you know, I've been doing my career for 21 years, and she's been doing hers for, like, you know. I mean, she has her Ph.D., so I guess you could consider right. going to school part of her career. But she's only been in her job, like, four years. Right. I got and that's 21 years. Too. Yeah, right. I mean, I've been, I've done a, mil- I've done a million things on TV, but it does not. I literally don't make that much more than I did. I made more, and to be honest, I made more money ten years ago than I make now. I make less. No. That I'm the more, the better I've got, the less I've made. 
I'm going to really uh, make anyone who's pursuing comedy at an early stage right now. <laughs> well, that's a later question that I have for you. <laughs> but, um, oh, okay. but, I mean, you have to admit that you're you're passionate about it. I mean, this is what you love doing, right? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess you could say it's all relative sometimes. I mean, I understand that monetary-wise sometimes you're not maybe where you want to be, but at least you're doing something you love. I mean, you know, I work in a prison <laughs> as a clinical psychologist. And, you know, I mean, it's fascinating. It's interesting. It's challenging. I like it. Would I like to be doing something more entertainment-related with psychology? You know, I'm not looking to go on the road and become a famous musician. If it, you know, if it happens, great, but that's not what I'm banking on. But, you know, I would love to be using my skills, you know, as I said at the beginning of the show, in more of this type of an aspect. I mean, I really enjoy doing this type of stuff. So, but, you know, it is what it is. So, but, uh, all right, moving back to uh, coping with the pressure. Um, So, evidently, I was going to say, why do you continue to do comedy? But I think we already answered that question. Well, because I love it so much. I mean, there's really nothing else. I I, I venture out and do projects on the side of comedy that relate to my comedy, like, my podcast and my one-man show, I'm not doing stand-up, but it's kind of, it kind of relates and feeds each other because the subject matter is similar. Right, you know? right, absolutely. Like, 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 since, now as we're talk, like now as we're talking, and I'm not, I'm not telling jokes, I'm not even being funny, I'm just giving you the truthful answers. I, uh, I right. sometimes enjoy, enjoy that more than trying to be funny. And I'm going through the Lincoln Tunnel right now, so if I if I lose you in the middle of this interview, I apologize. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I don't think I, I don't. Go ahead. I I think I think I can make it all the way through the tunnel. Okay, nice. So well, keep if you, asking. If you, if you if for some reason you cut out, I can bring Tom on board. You can call back in, so don't no no sweat. Don't worry about it. So okay. we briefly started touching on your, your podcast and the one-man show that I want to let everyone know that you're currently promoting titled Fixing Joe. And I'm curious to know, how did you come up with the title and the concept of the show? Um, that's a good question because um, it's pretty interesting, I guess. Um, it's an idea I've always had in the back of my head, and it kind of originated when I was at the Montreal Comedy Festival about, about six, six years ago. I was pitching okay. a different show, a different show that you might have known about, that I, w- that I had shot some stuff with Artie Lang and Jim Norton, where comedians were performing, and then they were kind of getting psychoanalyzed by a therapist on stage. I think that's, it's funny you say that, because I think that's the show you had, you had briefly talked to me, and this was, we're talking a year and a half ago now, maybe even longer yeah. when I first met you, and you were like... I might be interested, I might need a psychologist, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm interested. And then I remember we, we chatted through email, but it just didn't pan out for whatever reason. But I guess that's what you yeah. were doing at the time? Yeah, it kind of fizzled out. We pitched it to some networks. It started out as a live show with the comedians performing live, and then it okay. evolved into a rea- into a reality show with with just showing the comedians' lives and, and, then, and them being in and out of therapy and trying to correct all the gotcha. things that kind of make them funny at the same time. So Right, um, right. I I I pitched that show at the Montreal Comedy Festival like six years ago and in the pitch I had said I'd be a great host for this show because I got a lot of problems. I go, I'm so narcissistic <laughs> that I thought I could have my own radio show where people call in and try to help me. And it was like a joke okay. I would do on stage. 
And I would go, uh, you're on the air. How can you help me? And the guy's like, dude, I think you're really narcissistic. And I'm like, yeah, that's one of my issues. Click, next call, right? So I I literally threw that into the pitch, and some guy from ABC came up to me afterwards, and he goes, that thing, that show you just pitched with comedians and therapy? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I don't really like that idea. He goes, but what was that one line you said about you having a radio show where people are trying to help you out? Right, I'm like, yeah, right. it's an idea. I ha-. He goes, that's a really good idea for a television show. I really like that. Did you ever think that's of awesome. developing that? And I said, well, Very I wrote cool. an outline. So then many years went by, and just recently I had a bunch, you know, when, I don't know if it's the same way as you when, when you're a musician, when another musician tells you that something sounds good, it makes you think it's a really good song or whatever oh, sure. you know, another, <laughs> I had I had a few comedians come up to me and say you know you should really do a radio show where people call in and help you that's kind of funny yeah, you know it funny. is a good idea for a TV show but why don't you do it really do the show and then I went you know now that podcasts are around I was like you know what I'm going to try this out as a podcast and that's what I've been that's doing awesome. for like the last five months awesome so Okay, so speaking about your podcast, you as <laughs> well, I'm going to get into that. I said, um, so you describe yourself, and we touched on the narcissism, at least you did. You describe yourself as having many complex personality traits composed of difficulties paying attention, anxiety, narcissism, insecurity, and anger. Tell me more about how you cope with these, and have you found the audience's feedback to managing these everyday difficulties you encounter helpful? Ooh, I just got ADD in the middle of that. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, <laughs> what, what about the audience? I'm a little wordy. Oh, are you saying that I find the audience? Yeah. How do you cope uh, with all these different these all these different things that encompass you as a person? And have you found the audience's feedback helpful? There you go. Oh, okay. That's what that's what I missed is the last part. Um, I've had some really helpful um, audience members um, give me great advice where it actually worked. And to be honest, I have a, I usually have comedians as guests on every Pixing Joe. And comedians, oh, cool. Very cool. I don't, people probably don't realize this, but not only are comedians funny, they're usually very intelligent, and they have great advice. Um, for instance, like um, I had gotten fired from a comedy club for, okay. um, for slamming these people that were heckling me throughout my oh, show. Gosh. And um, I got fired because the... the the guy thought I was too harsh on the hecklers, and I had right, Bill right. Barr. I had Bill Barr on my show, and he told me that I'm trying to make comedy be a perfect, like exist in a perfect world. He's like, you need to lower your expectations and not expect it to be anything good, and you'll have a lot better shows when you just expect it to kind of suck. You know, he goes, you're performing in front of drunk people. That's just what it is, and you're never going to change that. So just accept it being what it is. And I swear to God, ever since he gave me that note, I've had better shows mm-hmm. for about that's four awesome. months now. That's a, you know, that's a really good way to look. And I think, you know what, I'm not going to get into myself because this is about you, but similar with the music industry, I've noticed that when I stopped putting so much pressure on, okay, I want to be at this level, I want to be at that level, i got that type A personality, as you know, um, you know, I, I noticed that I was more relaxed, and I just kind of said, you know what, if if things are meant to be, they're meant to be. If something doesn't work out, it just wasn't meant to be at that time, and I move on and, you know, look for the next opportunity. So I think that's a great piece of advice. I really do. 
Um, yes. So anyone who's listening right now, you definitely have to check out Fixing Joe. It is on iTunes, and you can download his podcast. You can also go to joematterese.com where there's more information about Fixing Joe and other upcoming oh. events for him. Yeah, if, if you actually put in Fixing Joe on iTunes, you won't find it. That's what's kind of frustrating, the way it's set oh, up right okay. now. I'm not, I, I do the show under Comical Radio. They have four different shows on in iTunes, and I'm okay. one of them. So you have to subscribe to all of them right now, which we're about to be changing. So I recommend going to JoeMatteries.com, and you can get into uh, the iTunes feed that way, because I have a link on my right, website. Right, that's what... That's what I did last night, so I didn't realize just by going straight to right. I went directly through your website to the actual podcast. Okay, yeah, yeah. all right. So um, let's see, because I know you have your show tonight. If you had one piece of advice to provide to an up-and-coming comedian who is choosing this career path, what would it be and why? Get out. <laughs> Quit. <laughs> no, but what if, what if the person is really passionate like you are? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, the best advice is um, to speak from your heart and stop worrying about getting laughs and just kind of um, kind of talk and kind of think of who you are and what makes you different than than most people, and then go okay. from there. Instead of when you you know what I my mistake was when I started is I just went oh well, what's funny you know or I watched other comedians and I and I. I Tried to imitate them a little bit, and like right. you find right. out years later, you're like, oh, I'm, I just need to do me. It's like right. even like exactly. acting. When I when I first started acting, I thought I had to be somebody else, and I realized mm-hmm. that I did my best acting when I wasn't doing. I wasn't acting. I was doing nothing. I was just being myself. Right, right. Now that that's a great piece yeah. of advice, and similar with music. I mean. You know the things that sell today, unfortunately, are the cookie cutter things. You know the next Lady Gaga or the next. You know, Katy Perry. You got to sound like someone, and you know, I feel like with my stuff, I am very original. And either people really like it, or they're like, ah, I don't know where to place you right now. So I can appreciate what you're saying, but I agree, definitely, people need to be themselves and be original, and not try to mimic what everyone else is doing. Um, all right, finally, let's talk a little bit about your comedy school that you host at the Stress Factory, so that people who are interested in refining and expanding their comedic skills will know how to become a part of it. Um, basically, um, I'm kind of minimizing the comedy school, but I'm still going to be doing it. I'm just not going to be doing oh, okay. it as much. So, um, okay. because my, my career, thanks to the Chelsea Lately show is kind of coming back alive. That show That's is, awesome. um, do, doing big, good things for comedy careers. And, uh, I'm flying out to LA once a month to do it because I can tell that it's a show that in a year it could make a huge difference if I was on yeah, every month. Just- to digress real quick, I just watched you because I taped it this past week, and I just I thought you were hilarious. I mean, the bits that you were doing with the the snake that escaped, and how people should be more interactive at these zoos now. When you said yeah. you know feeding the feeding the tigers and swimming with the polar bears, I like died. I just thought it was great. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, it was Very fun. That show is a blast. It's a, it's it's scary because you only have about an hour, hour and a half to come up with your material. They give you the bits. They give you these subjects like very, uh, right. very, very close to when it's airtime. So it is, it's really fun being out there because you're like, man, I don't know if these are even funny. Right, right, right. No, they were great. I, re- I mean, oh my gosh, the Christina Aguilera that you did, where you said you'd rather see her, you'd pay to see her without the makeup, and then I think yeah, you said something like, yeah. if she was in bed with you, she'd look like Whoopi Goldberg. 
I said if she took all her makeup off underneath it, she's 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 Whoopi Goldberg. She looks like Whoopi Goldberg. Right. Um, <laughs> what did I? Oh uh, yeah. So basically, what the why I said the Chelsea Lately stuff in my comedy is I I can't be I can't teach the school as often because of right. my stand up stuff and trying to raise a kid and be married and all that kind of stuff. So I teach it every two months at at the Stress Factory. It's a five week class. And we start at the beginning, and by the end, uh, you're kind of ready to uh, do a set, and you do a graduation show in front of all your friends and family. We usually have anywhere from 150 to 300 people in the audience for the graduation at the Stress Factory, and um, which awesome. Tom Comer, T- Tom Comer, who you're going to have on next, was one of my students. Yep. And what I think I do a little bit different than a lot of these comedy teachers do, which is take their money and kind of, you know, right. you, you one, one, they're usually comedians that uh, aren't really making a living on doing stand-up, and they're not guys you see on television, whereas I kind of think I'm a guy that is on TV and still is pursuing comedy and very passionate about his career, but at the same time, Absolutely. I actually get, I, I actually get these guys work, and I, um, I let them open for me, and we do gigs together, and I recommend them for other gigs, and I kind of become their mentor even when the class is over. Yes, I can't. I can't tell you how much I can like appreciate what you do because there's just it's very rare to find people in whether it's comedy, music, acting, you know, anything where someone like at your level is gonna you know spend that time. And I just find that I find that great. And I know me personally, if and when I get to another level, that's even now. That's how I always am with any up and coming musicians that have questions or they just want some feedback. So. I think that's so important that there are people out there that really genuinely care and want to see, you know, others do well. So, yeah, I do. I mean, some, sometimes it backfires because I'm a nice guy and I will talk to people after the show yep. and I will answer messages on Facebook. But because of that, sometimes I'm stuck talking to a lot of people and, and I'll get a yeah, lot no, of I know. questions. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Believe me, I can relate. Absolutely. You know, right? Yeah. And because you know some of these comedians are out of their, some of them are out of their mind. <laughs> <laughs> and the musicians too. Oh, believe me. <laughs> so, well, Joe, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. You did a great job. I hope uh, everyone who listened in got some really good information from what it's like to be a comedian and get to the level he's at. Um, I'd like for you to plug some stuff before we uh, we move on, and uh, okay. you know, wish you well tonight at your show, and I can't wait to see you. Uh, April 16th, I'll definitely be coming to see you and Tom perform at uh, Jimmy C's. So, yeah, so you want me to do my plugs, which is Jimmy C's? Yeah, do any, anything that... Okay, well, Jimmy C's is is going to be uh, possibly two shows now. Tom will tell you a little bit more about it when he comes on oh. and gets interviewed okay. next. But I think we have the first one sold out, and we're adding on a 10 o'clock show at um, Jimmy C's, um, which is in Tom's River in, in mm-hmm. Jersey area there. Um, yep. I'm not sure the website. If you know it, plug it. Yeah, I have the phone number. I'll <laughs> give that out at the end of it. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah I'll give some more information and, at the end. Yep. And and my and my podcast. Go to joematteries.com. Join up for my join my Facebook and join my Twitter, and uh, watch me on Chelsea lately. I should be on the first week of May again, and come and nice. see fixing fixing Joe the one man show. It's uh, it's all over my. Uh, my website, you can find out where it's going to be. Just, and is this a is this like an internet show we're doing? So it could be in any city somebody's listening to right now, right? 
yeah, this is similar to yours. This will become, I mean, it's live right now, but it will become a podcast, so anyone right. who wasn't able to tune in tonight can listen at any time. Yep, absolutely. Well, uh, com- right. come on out. I don't, I don't know exactly which gig to plug. I'm opening for Jay Moore this Friday at Foxwoods Casino oh, nice. in Connecticut. If you want to come and see me and Jay Moore. Very cool. Very right. cool. Well, I'll definitely right. see you on the 16th. Thanks so much, Joe. Have an awesome show tonight, and let's be in touch soon, and I'd love to bring you back on in the future, okay? Love love to do it. Thanks a lot, Carrie. Okay. Thanks, Joe. Take right. care. All right. Bye. Right. Okay, everyone. We're going to go into a short break right now. I'm just going to do a couple of advertisements, and then we will come back with comedian Tom Comer. Um you can hear an advertisement from Flirt Energy Drink, which is exclusively formulated for the female athlete and is a sponsor of this show, as my song, Vanilla Skies, also my album, is currently representing the product. But before that, let me get to an advertisement from Mark's Friggin, which is a website dedicated to the Howard Stern Show. Are you a fan of the Howard Stern Show, but frequently have to miss some or most of the show as a result of where you work, having crazy children who drive you crazy, or not being able to access Sirius XM Radio for some other reason? Well, there's no need to fear. Mark's Friggin' is here. Mark's Friggin' is a website developed for all the Stern fans, which provides daily Howard Stern Show highlights, TV show schedules, and much more related to the show. For more details, visit www.marksfriggin.com. at the gym? No, I drink Flirt. The pink energy drink? You like my energy, don't you? Yeah. Flirt is the first energy drink designed for women by women. Flirt, the one in the pink can? Flirt is jam-packed with natural ingredients. Really? Zero calories, DHA, folic acid, green tea, and putia. I can get it here at the gym, right? Flirtsport.com. Flirtsport.com. Yeah, flirtsport.com for a location near you. Okay, and now we are back on the Carrie Edelman Show. Again, uh, for those of you who are just tuning in, we just did an interview with Joe Matarese, the comedian from New York, and you can check him out at www.joematarese.com. And we are now going to bring comedian Tom Comer on the air in a moment. A little bit about him. Comedian Tom Comer is an up-and-coming comedian who is currently establishing himself in the New York City comedy circuit. He will discuss during this interview how he manages a full-time career while performing as a comedian, the logistics of how one goes about breaking into the New York City comedy scene, along with his entertaining and intriguing experiences he has encountered on his journey to becoming a comedian. And let's bring him now on the air. Tom Comer, you are now on the air. Hey, Carrie, how are you? Hey, how are you? <laughs> Very good. Very good. Welcome aboard. Thank yeah, you. Thank you for great. having me. Exciting. Yeah, absolutely. My first live absolutely. interview. Look at it. You're putting me on the map right now, Carrie. This is crazy. I am. You better, <laughs> hey, I'm telling you right now, you better not forget about me when you become big. I cannot happen. <laughs> Never. No way. <laughs> so, so okay, welcome to the show. And, uh, yeah, um, yeah, Joe did a great job. Yeah, really good. Um, so, all right, let's uh, let's start with the interview, and you can feel free to interject at any moment if there's other things you want to talk about. All right. Sure. Okay, so I know you've been involved in comedy uh, for a while, and uh, but more recently became more serious about pursuing it a little later in life. 
Can you tell our audience how long you've been involved in comedy and why you chose to pursue it at another level? Uh, well, I did comedy for the first time probably, oh, God, maybe 11 years ago. Um, I actually was um, just supporting a friend of mine. I lived out in Arizona. He was a bartender friend of mine. and was, uh, He was okay. doing, like, open mics and bar shows and everything. And I was just there to kind of support him one day, and he knew uh, I did uh, a pretty <laughs> decent uh, Chris Rock impression. So at the end of his show, he comes up to me, and he's like, do you want to go on? And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. I, you know, I knew nothing about you know how to write a joke or anything. Just do Chris Rock impression. So I right. went up and, you know, just kind of on a whim, like last minute I just went up and did it. And got it. Um, it was a college bar, and this was when Chris Rock was huge. He just did his uh, Bring the Pain uh, special, and uh, right. I just kind of um, winged it, and uh, just did just did his impression. I was kind of imitating him, and I uh, just got a huge reaction, and it, just the exhilaration I had after that. I mean, I got off the stage, the kids were high fiving me, and it was just such an right. amazing experience. And I was like, oh my god, that was too much fun, and so. Cool. I went back um, a few more times to this uh, bar show, and it was like a few months before I was leaving to move back to New Jersey. And, okay. um, you know, I got a little bit of experience, and then, I, you know, throughout the years, I did these amateur shows, these, like, bringer shows. And this is over the last 10 years. I would just do, like, maybe one show a year, or every now and again, I would invite some friends out to come see me perform, and okay. I kind of was resting on my laurels and and um, never taking it serious. Just kind of like, oh, well, I proved to myself that I can do it. It's fun. But I never really thought about it as a career or anything. It was just kind of one of those things that, you know, just to prove to myself and kind of my friends and family it's something I could do. And then um, about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, uh, just kind of going through a kind of a breakup. It was kind of like a, a crossroads in my life. I'm like, all right, well, I'm not in my mid-30s. I can be right. single and lonely and, like, you know, go on Internet dating websites or <laughs> or I could uh, go and kind of really, on, a, on you know, an evening where I'd be, be alone or doing whatever, I can right. go and pursue something that I think is, is totally fun and, and, you know, it's something that I always thought about. So, Long story short, I maybe a year and a half or so ago, I um, I did a bringer show and I was offered the opportunity to uh, kind of work for a club in New York City, okay. uh, doing this barking thing. And um, well, real which, quick, let's know, just digress for digress for a moment and let the audience know, especially if there's any amateur comedians or people who are new to the industry, what is a bringer show? Just to describe real briefly what that is. Sure, anybody. It doesn't matter who you are, how funny you are. Doesn't matter. Anybody can get can get on stage and do stand-up comedy. You can go to an open mic. Right. I break it down this way. There's three ways you can get stage time. You can go up and and hold a microphone and tell your jokes. You can right. do an open mic, which you know it's kind of like music, right? There's open mic music, and anybody can get up and just kind of um, you know do your thing. The problem with open mics for comedians is most of these open mic shows are just other comedians in the audience. Well, other right. comedians are, you know, just 
they're egomaniacs and narcissistic and all that, and they don't care what you're <laughs> saying, and they don't laugh. They're not. They're looking at their own notes, and they can't wait for you to get up. Right. You know what I mean? And that's for, the same for them thing to get up. with the music. That's the same thing with the music right. open night. It's a bunch of musicians waiting to get their three minutes or their three songs in and right. Exactly. Yeah. So to me, that's a waste of time. I mean, they suck. It's just right. the, you, you don't get any true audience reaction. You don't know if your material is, is true or funny or what. It's just... Yeah, so that's that was out of out, out the door for me. And then there's br- what they call bringer shows, where basically you have to bring friends to come out to see you. And can you imagine how old that would get uh, after two, three, four, or five times? And then basically that was, was where I was at. Was where you know, I would invite friends. This was years ago, you know, eight, right. nine years ago when I first moved back to New Jersey. I would invite friends on a Tuesday night to come to New York City. <laughs> see me uh, perform in front of, you know, a bunch of other um, people's friends, and it was all amateurs, and, you know, quite honestly, not uh, most of them were not funny. So you're sitting right. for, you know, my my friends are sitting on a Tuesday night till you know, 11 o'clock at night uh, watching, you know, some bad acts. So that, that whole thing got old, and I really didn't know where how to advance from there. But um, basically when I, I did another bringer show, uh, not too long ago, less than two years ago in New York City, and it was kind of like an audition, and the guy offered me the opportunity to um, do this thing called barking, which is where right, right. you go out on the, on the streets of New York City, and you you have to, like, solicit people, strangers, on the street to come to your comedy show. You know, either give them, That's like, a discount coupon or... Oh, right. it, you know, it's humiliating is what it is, to be honest with you. Right, <laughs> but right. It, it's less, in my mind, it was less, and this was when, you know, this was less than two years ago. So I was, in again, in my mid-30s, and all my friends are married with kids. There's no way I'm getting anybody to come to New York City to see me perform on a weeknight. It's just not happening. So right. this was, in my mind, the only way to get stage time. And uh, yeah. I sucked it up and did it. And, and uh, I did it for, like, nine months where I would just go out there and just wow. humiliate myself and just make a scene and try and get people's attention and, and get them to come to our show. And, so you uh, would say it took you, know, you about nine months before then you were basically asked to perform regularly at this venue, right? Right, exactly. Eventually, wow. you know, I paid my dues, and which was quick. I right. mean, I, I know comedians that, that spend three-plus years doing it, and uh, wow. I advanced pretty quickly where, you know, I, I, I'm working for the producer now, and, you know, you know, I gotta do other. I just gotta pay my dues in other ways. I'm still, you know, totally, sure, a, sure. A, you know, a green up and comer. But I uh, at least graduated from the going out in the streets and having to, you know, <laughs> solicit people to come to our shows. Right. Wow. Yeah. So you've been involved now in New York City comedy circuit for some time, doing, you know, where you're at right now. How do you manage, basically, doing this New York City comedy circuit? and the challenges that come along with your full-time career? Because I'm sure that's complicated and challenging. It's draining. It really is. I mean, I, I work I mean, I mean, work very hard in my day job, too. I mean, I got a, I, I got a career that's very demanding. But mm-hmm. I, I think, honestly, what frees up the time for me is the fact that I don't have a, a, a wife and children. You know what I mean? Like, right. So right. I can I can spare a few nights a week where, although it's tiring, you know, I I don't have anybody waiting at home for me. I'm not neglecting anybody. 
So right. I'm able to, you know, go and, and spend that extra time, you know, doing what I love. And, and it really, it's, it's, it's all worth it. I, I just love it so much. So it, awesome. that's what motivates me where it's not like, it's not like a job. I don't treat it like a job. It's like a hobby. You know what I mean? So it's not like right. I'm, right. I'm driving to the city like, oh, this this sucks. I gotta, gotta go to work tonight. It's like, you know, I'm, Excited! I'm looking forward to it. That's awesome. So, give us an example of a day. For example, do you wake up at like six and then you don't get home till two in the morning from the city? Like when you do when you <laughs> go depends, straight. It, it really depends through, on the it day. Makes me, it makes me tired just thinking about it. To be honest, <laughs> and believe me, <laughs> as, right. you know we've spoken, uh, and I do a lot. I do a lot, but that just oh, you do everything. I don't know what you're talking about. You're, I, I mean, I have no <laughs> clue how you find the time to do what you do. I mean that's a whole other story, but you yeah, know, compared we'll to you, I feel like I, I'm lazy. Honestly, no, no, you're not. You can interview <laughs> no, me one night. Um, You'll be the interviewer. <laughs> right? Yeah, we'll set it up. No, but um, no. I mean, it's, what's great about my day job is it's very flexible. I make my own hours. I, 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 you know, I make my own schedule. It's not like a typical nine to five, or you know, I got to report right. to to an office at a certain times. So. Um, maybe I'll start a little later on a on a night where I'm out late, but it's on a weeknight. If I do it on a weeknight, um, I, sh- I should be home by midnight. And, get, and quite honestly, I'm a night owl anyway. So if I was home watching TV, I wouldn't be asleep mm-hmm. by you know 12. You know what I mean? So right, right. Um, it is a long day. You know, you know a lot of times it's a 20 hour day. I don't even know. I mean, it's, it's I try not to think about it. I just kind of I, I, it's a grind. I go through the motions, but. Um, I, I I drive home with a smile on my face. I really do enjoy it. That's so, cool. Um, That's you know, really cool. I, it's time management, but you know, I, without all the other family life things, you know, that would right. You know, get in the and way. I think you made kinda, a, it frees up the time. Right, and I think you made a really good point for anyone who's listening in. You enjoy it, and that's what's important. When it starts to become a chore and a task, and you're not looking forward to it, and you're kind of dragging your butt into doing this stuff then you know that you got to either take a step back and reevaluate things or it's time to reconsider what you're doing. Um, and we had talked about that. I mean, I said that, you know, my music career for, you know, a little bit of time has become tough because I, I turned it into so much of a business. I lost a little bit of my passion. So that's something I'm kind of, you know, getting back right now. So, But I can understand when you're really passionate about it and you look at it as a hobby and you don't look at it as a task, it can be really enjoyable. Um, Absolutely. So once, I, just, once I start treating it like a business and like doing it for money because there's no money in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, no money, you know, it's, it's, it's right. Then I don't know. I don't know if I'll be doing it. I, I do it for the fun of it. It's like a sport. It's a hobby. It's, you know, I suck in sports. Okay. So like, I, I'm not going, I'm not joining no. the basketball league anytime soon. You know what you I mean? Play sports? So this is my, this is my sport. What's that? Right. You can play sports when you were younger? I tried. My dad wanted me to. <laughs> I were you, were you, any, yeah, I was, were you on any teams in high school or anything? Did you play any sports? Uh, I played uh, freshman football. Uh, I played okay. football, uh, pop water football, my whole uh, uh, childhood for like six, seven okay. years. And I was tiny. I was a tiny, tiny little kid. And right. um, I played freshman football. And then, like, going into sophomore year, I was just way too small to play with, like, the seniors and everything. So I quit that. And um, I did some wrestling. I was the only 93-pounder uh, oh, nice. in the in, in the uh, in, in the high school, so okay. they put me on the wrestling team. Uh, <laughs> and I sucked at that, but. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
But this is my sport, my hobby, and it's something that I just love. That's great. That's really, really good. Um, So while we're talking about your sport and your hobby, describe for the audience your stand-up act and how you develop some of your material. Um, How I would describe it is um, I'm very high energy, animated, you know, like, which is, depending on the mood of me, I'm kind of bipolar in a way where I like I could be like just totally <laughs> blah and like boring one minute and then just kind of bouncing off the walls the next I, I'm kind of like that okay. but um my stand-up act is definitely high energy animated kind of do voices and characters and you know uh, it's it's not like a one-liner type you know where I'm where I'm very um I don't know I don't, I would just call it high energy and animated in general. And, you know, my material is like self-deprecating. I pretty much basically just talk about all my weaknesses and insecurities, you know. And okay. um, I'd say I'm working on this because the only way to really advance um, in the industry is to come up with really clean material. You'll get more work that way. But I, I'd say most of my material is rated R. It's not for the... You know, if you're if you're a conservative, you know, tightwad, you're not gonna probably like my my, my comedy right, or right, my humor. Right. Um, but um, yeah, it's it's entertaining. I really, you know, for, for this early on, you know, to pat my own, myself on the back, I, you know, I, I think I do quite well as far as audience reaction, and I just have fun with Great. it. Awesome, very very cool. So, who are some of the comedians that influence you that, and that you look up to? Uh, well, growing up, I mean, I'm I would say 100% inspired by Eddie Murphy. Um, okay. That was who when I was when Eddie Murphy Delirious came out, and I believe it was 1984. I was 10 years old, and um, you know, I'm a 10 year old. My my parents. This is when HBO was in its infancy. You know what I mean? It was, it was right, early, right, right. early 80s, <laughs> and uh, my parents let me VHS tape it. And watch it, <laughs> and it was dirty. It was dirty material, and not only that, they let me quote it in front of their friends. And wow. it got to the point. I mean, everybody could quote Eddie Murphy. You know what I mean? It's, it's like right, you, know, right, you right. don't even have to be a huge comedy fan. Everybody knew all the all the Eddie Murphy bits, but I took it to a different level. I mean, I had it memorized verbatim, like wow. the hour special to the point. You remember those little um, those little. Uh, Boom boxes we had where you, press, yes, yes. you put a blank tape in there, you press play and record and just record yourself. I recorded myself doing the entire hour straight. Uh, wow. Verbatim. Like, uh, so uh, Eddie Murphy was just, he introduced me to stand-up comedy, and he was a, like just, in my mind, just a, a star, like a hero. It was, you know, it, it, growing up as kids, and, and again, he's a black guy, I'm a white guy, right? So I'm like, I don't know, this guy. But <laughs> You know, then, you know, my friends are, like, idolizing Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? Like, everybody wanted to be this great athlete. I was just like, right. to me, that the, the ideal person is just somebody who can make, a, a, a in his case, a, uh, a, a stadium worth of people just die laughing. And that was just so nice. so inspiring and, and great to me. So, um, Eddie Murphy would introduce me to comedy. And growing up, I would, I would watch... Um, MTV's half hour comedy hour, you know, in the in the eighties. Okay. And I was big into like um like Sam Kinison and Gilbert Gottfried. 
Remember uh, right, right, right. Chris Rock? Chris Rock was, uh, you know, David Spade. I mean, these guys were like, you know, up-and-coming no-namers, and I knew who they were and knew all their stuff. But I liked all comedy. It just, uh, just from that early age, you know, for me, honestly, if I wasn't involved with comedy and, you know, going back three years ago, I wasn't regularly involved, my ideal night is either to be at a comedy club as a as an audience member or okay. sitting home on my couch or recliner and watching um, Comedy Central's uh, Friday Night Stand-Up. And I just, just right. love it as an art form. I just watch it and just study it and just a huge fan. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, same with me. You know, as, as I mentioned to you when we spoke on, um, you know, recently that, yeah, I mean, I just started getting into it a couple of years ago, just going out to see a couple of people from that are regulars with the Howard Stern show, and just yeah, it was great. And for me, it was more therapeutic, just from a hard day of work, just going out and just laughing at mindless stuff and not having to think about anything was just so great. <laughs> right, so. right, right, absolutely. But um, so I don't want to put you on the spot, but I heard that you do a really good impression of Chris Rock because you mentioned it earlier. Would you be open to entertaining <laughs> right. the audience with it? <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know what? No, it's funny. Speaking of Joe, um, Joe, he, Joe Mattery is obviously my mentor. And um, when I started, when I get getting back into it, I took his beginner course, and ever since then, we've kind of been, uh, you know pretty well in touch. I did some writing uh, classes with him, and um, he pretty much taught me how to write a joke and really taught me how to not make mistakes, you know, just easy mistakes early on. And um, when I went to him early on in that first beginner's class, I was doing some some hacky impressions, like I was doing a Forrest Gump impression. And so some things that he just was totally disgusted by. He told me, please scratch right. that. You're going to get laughed. I mean, you might get laughed from the audience, but nobody in the industry is ever going to respect you. And then I did my Chris Rock for him, and he actually approved it. So that meant right. so much to me, you know what I mean? Um, but, uh, no, a bit I'm working on now is, like, you know, going back to the Eddie Murphy thing, and for whatever reason, I just find black comedians, like, actually funnier than white comedians, just in general. <laughs> They're just more entertaining and funnier, and I just idolize them more. So it's kind right, of right. ironic, a, a white dude doing a, doing a black guy impression, but I do black guys the best probably because I idolize them the most. Uh, so, so, Love it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, yeah. a, a bit I, I've been working on is, um, um, you know who Chris Tucker is, right? Yeah, I've heard you know, of him. I'm not sure if I know. Chris Tucker yeah, little... is, uh, he was on all the Rush Hour movies. He got the high-pitched voice. Uh, okay. He was on the movie Friday. He's uh, he, okay. he started in stand-up. He's more of an actor. His, his career's kind of fizzled out. But um, <laughs> this is uh, my impression. I always wonder if these guys knew each other. You know, I wonder if they know each other at all because they're kind of like you know guys that you know comedic minds that I that I admire and they're uh, they're kind of original in their in their voices and I always wonder if they knew each other. This is kind of my impression of um, Chris Rock and Chris Tucker just bumping into each other in L.A. somewhere Uh-oh. and just okay. slamming each other's careers. <laughs> like Rock would go up to Tucker and he'd be like, "What's up, Tucker? What you been working on? Rush out four and five." You working on Friday after next Friday, Friday? You should go find no cute movie. Call it Rush Hour Friday. I mean, you and Jack <laughs> Chan and I shoes dropping around, smoking weed, fighting crime. Talking about, what happened, man? Man, you ain't never been in a mov
was a hitman. Man, you knew that hit wasn't a pocket and he's a hitman. Man. <laughs> awesome. Very good. I was just screaming that. <laughs> no, that was good. Very good. I wish I had one of those power stirring clapping things in the background. <laughs> What's that? Oh, I said they wish I had a Howard Stern clapping thing in the background, so we had a big audience clapping. Right, yeah, you gotta awesome. get a, you gotta get Very your own Fred Norris to uh, start doing some some sound effects. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, great job. Very good. Thanks. So, um, so if you had one piece of advice to provide to an up and coming comedian, especially since you know what it's like to be kind of on the ground level, you know, working your way up, what would it be and why? Uh, well, I'm um, you know that would be like me giving advice to, you know, one of my peers because, you know, I haven't really accomplished anything yet. Um, I'm just kind of... You've done a lot of the groundwork, so you understand what you need to... I'm not saying... I know what you're saying. It's not like you're... You don't matter reason you're given. I know, but you still have done... You've done more than you think. Yeah, somebody, you know, it's it's advice to somebody that was in my, you know, at my level two years ago. um, And this is just advice that was given to me is stage time. Mm -hmm. Stage time, stage time, stage time. Get as much as you possibly can because that's the only way to get better. Um, Right. You know, that's why I thought I was, you know, people would call me. Years ago when I would do one show a year, they would call me a a comedian. You know, they'd say, oh, he's my friend Tom. He's he's a a comedian. He's a comic. And and I would let them say it not knowing anything (laughs) about it, but I wasn't, you know. Um, you're not a comedian if you do it, you know, ten times in your life. You got to like right. just pound it, pound it out. And I did, you know, in, in one year I did like 250 sets. So, and I'm wow. still learning and trying to figure everything out. Um, so that's number one. Just get as much possible stage time as you can, which means you know, do a ton of open mics or have a lot of friends that want to <laughs> come out and see you a lot or do right. the barking <laughs> thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, so you ton of stage time, uh, have fun with it, you know, don't, you know, treat it like a job, just treat it like, you know, something that, you, you know, if you don't love doing it, then, then get out right now, um, right. and be patient, I mean, like, yeah. I have, yeah. I have people that, you know, that have unrealistic expectations for me, they think I'm going to, like, exactly. you know, be the next, you know, I'm going to be on TV sometime soon, or, uh, you know, I'm going to be headlining shows across the country, that's not going to happen, I mean, I... I work with guys. I rub shoulders with, with, with guys that have been in, in the industry for 10, 15 years that you've never heard of. And they're right. still at it. And, they, and they're still working their craft and, and, and working on their material. And they're, in my mind, hilarious. And they've accomplished a lot. But they're not, you know, nobody knows who they are. They're just, you know, they're just right. kind of doing their thing. And, you know, it's going to take five 10 years minimum of doing it as often as I am to uh, to get anywhere, you know, to make any money, to, you know, maybe get a TV spot one day, whatever. So my advice is just be patient and just do it a lot, love it, and be patient. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think you made some really key points there where you're just talking about getting out there as much as you can. I mean, and I, anyone who's listening in who used to listen to when this other music radio show I had done, you know, that's what we talked about a lot is just getting yourself out there, staying grounded, you know, being authentic and being patient because once you start to get full of yourself and, you know, you start presenting yourself in a way that's, like you were saying, very narcissistic and, you know, egotistical, 
it can be a turnoff, and that's the last thing you want to do when you're an up-and-coming person. You want to make a professional, you know, impression on the industry, and people will remember that. They will. Um, yeah, so, yeah no, that's, that's true. Just be humble, too. That's another thing. Absolutely. I mean, I, can, I don't know how, how long-winded you want to go, but I can tell you about a story about when I was a amateur bringer guy years and years ago, and I, uh, yeah, I got sure, the mic turned off on me. I was uh, <laughs> I was doing a um, a bringer show at uh, the Rascals, and uh, I don't think it's there anymore in Ocean Township in in New Jersey. I had some friends okay. out, and uh, a month before I did a show, I brought like thirty people. You know, I, got, I had a huge showing, and they only give you so much time. But the the producer told me, you know, next time you come, I'll give you extra time because you know I made him a lot of money that night. Brought these people in. Nice. So. Um, there was, I guess, a miscommunication between the producer and the manager who was actually running the show and kind of put the light on for you. I don't know if you know what right. that means, but when you're performing, they put a red light mm-hmm. on, which basically tells you you got a minute to wrap it up. And, oh, okay, uh, okay. You know, the, guy, the guy told me I had, like, at least ten minutes, and six minutes in I get the red light. I'm figuring it's Uh-oh. a mistake, so I keep going. He starts blinking the red light, <laughs> and I just ignore it. <laughs> And then finally, I'm like on the mic. I'm like, all right, dude, I know. You gave me the red light. And, like, he basically got so mad at me, he oh shut the gosh. mic off on me, uh, which oh, is no. the worst thing to do, uh, you know, as a some amateur nobody, piss off the manager. And <laughs> the right, right. And um, thank God that, you know, the place is no longer in existence. And, I'll, you know, hopefully I don't have to worry about it. It won't come back to bite me. But what I'm on is I was arrogant. You know, I thought. You know, I was yeah. who I was, and and I was getting laughs, and it was going well. But you know, just be humble. I mean, just appreciate Absolutely. any opportunity you can get, and be nice and professional, and you know, because you can, you know, jerk your way out of the business real quick. Right. Or well, like you're saying, Tom. I mean, I think you brought a good thing up is that you had insight also into your experience that night. So you kind of looked back and said, uh, you know, I was I was being a jerk in a way by not getting off the stage, where some people would you know, have put it on to the manager and say, well, he's the one being a jerk. You know, I needed this much time and I, you know what I mean? So learning from your mistakes is key too, you know, learning things Absolutely. in the industry so that you don't repeat them later Absolutely. down the road. And yeah, I look back at that and I cringe, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, well, that's not a bad thing though. I mean, you learn from it and that's a good thing. Um, yep. But yeah, I think definitely staying humble, like you said, and, you know, I wish more people were like that. I mean, I really do. I like We can have a show just on that, you and I, if you want to be a co-host. But, I mean, that's <laughs> something personally that I've, you know, really hold true to myself in my heart is that, you know, no matter how far I've gotten and all the different people I've met, I mean, I'm so grateful for it. And I continue to just stay grounded and no matter who wants some help, I'll help anyone out. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, I'm at this level, so I can only talk to these people. You know what I mean? But oh but yeah, well, you're like you're, you're great like that. You really are very supportive. Thank you, uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and hopefully one day I can open for you, do an acoustic performance. Look <laughs> out! We're gonna um, set that up soon. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So I guess before we head off, is there anything else that you want to? Tell the audience about yourself, anything you want to plug. Um, you know, feel free to use this moment to free associate and talk about whatever you'd like. <laughs> sure. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, again, I'm very early on in, in the career, so it's not like I have a website or anything, but by all means, um, you know, if, you, if you're not already a Facebook friend of mine, you know, Tommy Comer, um, which is my, is my stage name, by the way, um, 
okay. you can hit me up on Facebook and, and and you know on my Facebook wall I just do my basic uh, plugs of whatever dates I have at important. I'm at um, really I'm working with a um, a road booker who I did auditioned for uh, months ago. Uh, with with getting a little bit of road work, which is just going to be kind of like the opening guy at these ranking thing clubs around around the region. But um, you know, I, okay. I should have some of those gigs coming up. Um, cool. Nothing necessarily to plug right now. Um, I am at um, in my home club. It, it's kind of a it's a multi room venue. It's in it's the Broadway Comedy Club. It's in uh, it's in Manhattan on 53rd between 8th and 9th. Um, that is the place that I'm at and I'm working out my material on on a on a weekly basis. Uh okay. the the room that I do mostly is the world room. They actually have a website, it's called uh the world. So it's T H E W O R L D N Y C dot com. That gives you all the show times. But um you'll see me there pretty much every Friday night, eight thirty, ten thirty and midnight. If you know okay. me, um you can you can drop my name and you get half price cover. Uh, which is nice, and um, so that's really um, where I'm at, you know, on a weekly basis. So you can always go to the world, New York City dot com, or um, or just hit me up on Facebook for for those shows. And um, the big one cool. that I'm promoting now is this uh, is this gig in Palm River, which is at um, Jimmy C's Comedy Club, and uh, we're uh, we're close to sold out. It, it, you know, it fits. Uh, I think about maybe 120 people. We've got close to 100 reservations, so there's limited seats available. Wow. All you need to awesome. do is call. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty psyched about it. We got, you know, a lot of my personal friends and family, but uh, you know, a lot of Facebook friends and whatnot. Oh, that's but, uh, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that, if you know, if, if you're serious about going to that show, you want to go to that show, I suggest calling ASAP and uh, just call call the number. Um, it's Capone's Restaurant is the um, is taking the reservations, which is, you know, the same ownership, and it's uh, mm-hmm. number 732-473-1777. Again, 732-473-1777. Just tell them you're here to, you know, you want to see um, Joan Matteris and Tommy Comer uh, Saturday, April 16th, which is next Saturday. We've got an 8 o'clock show. Uh, doors open at 7. Um Okay. Yeah, you, know, you call in advance, you get, get your name on the list. It's a discounted cover. It's like $17. And um, we're thinking it's possible. And actually just during this interview, got a got a call, uh, which obviously I didn't click over to, from the owner, Jimmy Capone. Okay. <laughs> uh, we, we, were, we were in a discussion yesterday about adding a 10 o'clock show because I know there's a lot of people wow. uh, that want to go that haven't necessarily gotten around to call yet. So we okay. might add a 10 o'clock show that night. So basically nice. all I can say is if uh, if you want to go, call like as soon as you get off the phone, I mean as soon as this uh, <laughs> podcast ends, and uh, and reserve your seats for the 8, and then um, if they tell you it's sold out, just just uh, request a 10 o'clock show and we'll do it. And uh, I'm excited. I'm psyched. But, you know, I do these I do these uh, these shows in the city, and I you know I get anywhere from six to ten minutes, and they're called what's was called guest spots. You know, I'm just kind of like, okay. you know, a nobody in the lineup that's, you know, before the headliner, and they kind of just throw me in there to do my do my stuff. But this is my big feature gig where I'm doing, you know, a good 20 to 25 minutes, maybe 30, depending on how well it's going. And it's wow, like it's awesome. culmination Very of cool. all the material I've been working on in the last year or so and putting it together in, in, in one show. And uh, it's in my hometown. 
you know, where I grew up. And, uh, you know, it's yep, opening I'm up for excited. Joe. Uh, oh, you know, I look forward to seeing you there. It's, it's going to be, there's, yeah. there's no doubt about it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fun night. You know, I got my buddy uh, cool. Chuck Bono, who's a, uh, a friend of mine, a comic friend of mine uh, from New York that uh, is going to be uh, hosting it. So it's just nice, uh, Chuck nice. hosting it and then me featuring and then uh, Joe Matarese, who i got to tell you, man, he's, he's one of those yeah. guys that nobody knows his name necessarily. You know, he's not like a household name celebrity right. comic, but i got to tell you, this dude is he so kills. funny. <laughs> he kills it. And he's not like doing scripted. You'll see me, like my act is doing material. You know what I mean? I'm just kind of like... Right. Going, you know, I, I got a lot of scripted stuff that I'm, you know, I'm, he is just kind of an, an improv guy that just kind of works off the audience yep. and controls the crowd, and he is just amazing. So it's yep. going to be an awesome show, and um, uh, I'm totally looking forward to it. So again, that's next Saturday, Saturday, April 16th, eight o'clock show. I know. And uh, stay tuned for the for the ten o'clock. That that might be uh, that might be happening. Okay, great, absolutely awesome. Well, Tom, thanks so much for tuning in tonight and being a guest on the show. I really appreciate you coming on board tonight with Joe. It was great having both of you guys, and I would definitely love to have you on in the future um, when you're promoting other shows and you have other things, you know, happening for you and in the works. So feel free to get in touch with me, and you can come back on at some other point. All right? Absolutely, Carrie. I can't thank you enough. Or, you know, again, you know, you're 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 just amazing. How you know how supportive you are in in, in artist careers and. Uh, it's uh, just it's, it's been a pleasure, and I thank you so much. And thank we're you. obviously going to be talking, you know, more off air. But yeah. um, I can't thank you enough. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, anytime you ever ever want me on, I'm 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 game totally. Awesome, cool. Well, thank you so much, Tom. And I'm a big supporter of yours, and I'll continue to support you. And I'm glad that you appreciate it. That means a lot to me. It really does. Absolutely. So, um, all right. So I'm gonna I'll plug the show one more time, and then uh, I will move on to a couple other things, and then I'll talk about my show tomorrow night that I have coming on. And thanks again, Tom, for tuning in. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks again. Good luck All to right. you as well. Take care. Thank you very much. Right. I'll Bye-bye. talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Okay. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Carrie Edelman Show tonight. I'd like to thank Tommy Comer and Joe Matarese for being a part of the show this evening. Please come out and see them perform Saturday, April 16th at Jimmy C's Comedy Club in Toms River, New Jersey. To make a reservation for the show, please dial 732-473-1777. If you or anyone you know who would like to be a guest on The Carrie Edelman Show, please become a fan on Facebook by going to The Carrie Edelman Show, as there is detailed information about how to book an interview. Also, if you're a band or musician who would like their song featured on the show or a product that you would like advertised, please send a professionally recorded high-quality MP3 to Carrie Edelman at Hotmail.com. Also, tomorrow night, finally, uh, tune in Thursday, April 7th at 8 o'clock p.m. on The Carrie Edelman Show, as I will be featuring music journalist and magazine owner Bill Copeland from Boston, Massachusetts. Bill has been writing for 20 years. He spent many years writing for various national publications and now runs his own magazine where he writes articles and reviews about bands, singers, songwriters, and solo artists. Check out his magazine at BillCopelandMusicNews.com. Thanks so much again for tuning in tonight. We're going to sign off with my hit single off of my debut album, Leave It All Behind, and it is the title track. Again, if you're interested in any of the music featured tonight, go to iTunes and search Carrie Edelman. Thanks again, everyone. I appreciate the support, and have a great night.